0: A big hello to fellow teachers. Welcome to the EduWell
1: Podcast, a show created for teachers, by teachers, with teachers. I'm Alex Bush. And I'm Chelsea Henderson. With over 30 years of combined teaching experience, we're here to help you find balance in your professional and personal lives. Join us as we dive into a well of information,
0: exploring insights, strategies, and practical tips that you can apply both within... And beyond
1: your classroom. So, whether you're new to teaching or a seasoned expert, this podcast is for you. Let's be well and do well together. Hey, teachers,
0: welcome back to EduWell. We know that one of the biggest challenges of teaching is classroom management. It's a big part of survival in the classroom and it takes constant maintenance every day, all year round. Classroom management is a practice and our strategies are tailored to the exact needs of our groups, but you are only one person leading so many people who are all in the same room, all at the same time. So this is really challenging stuff, classroom management.
1: It is challenging and it's challenging because, yes, you do have all of these personalities in one room. I want to say before we get into it that I did start watching Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. and I've kind of binged it. I've spoiled myself over the last few days off that I've had. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the game. You've never watched Ted Lasso. No,
0: I'm, wow. three, years, I'm
1: three years late, but you know what? Well worth it. Well <laughs> worth it. So inspirational, obviously. And I just, every time I watch it, I think, wow, this really relates so much to what we do. Exactly. In thinking about Ted Lasso
0: and connecting it to the classroom... And managing a team or a class, there's so many complexities. So today, let's focus on five game changers that we try to consistently practice in our school year and that I know Ted Lasso would definitely use on the field. What do you think?
1: 100%. Okay. 100%. We're we're always (laughs) leading, we're always trying to lead with that kindness and that compassion, which is a lot of what I saw in the show. But let's start with our first one. What do we have, Alex? Game changer number one.
0: All right. Game changer number one is to always observe and observe and observe and to really look at what are those minor disruptions that are happening in your classroom community. And I've always found it really helpful, Chelsea, to kind of notice what's going on and just observe. Like, kind of remove myself from the space and make a list and write them down and then use that list to find solutions or to try to redirect or remove disruptions.
1: Well, exactly. And we're always doing this in our work, right? It's it's that reflection and it's that, okay, taking stock of what we have here and how can we solve this problem, prevent this problem from happening so that we can create that safe and comfortable environment. Exactly. So when you think disruptions in a classroom, where does your mind go? It goes to Noise. Yes, it goes to many people trying to speak at one time, compete for attention of yep. the teacher, attention. for the attention of each other, scraping
0: chairs and desks on the floor, binder snapping, clicking keys on keyboards,
1: games on computers, <laughs> <laughs> noise on computers, uh, papers rustling, um, and people walking down the hallway. <laughs> oh, or running down the
0: hallway. <laughs> And those, you know, it's not a big deal if it's one or two noises, but our classrooms are a jam full of students who are making those noises. So they all add up to a big cacophony of potential noises. So I like to think about ways that I can remove disruption. So for me, a really good example of this would be the pencil. Right. If a student doesn't bring a pencil to class and it's never just one student, it's many. We can spend a lot of time helping the students find the pencils, borrowing the pencils, get them to go sharpen the pencils. And so I would look at that. I would observe that and I would say, "How can I remove this disruption from the classroom right. community?" And so a solution to that is to have a nice bucket full of pencils that is already sharpened and that way the students are able to independently get a pencil at the beginning of class. So you stop worrying about the fact that the student is not quote unquote, being responsible and bringing it to class, you you let that go for the greater good of removing that disruption.
1: Yeah. And I mean, hey, you can just add that they can return
0: that pencil, right? Right. So that's just one example. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you were to really put the time and effort into observing and creating that list, that you could remove many disruptions from your classroom.
1: Right. And uh, let's talk a little bit about instructions on the board. Can we talk about that? Oh, absolutely. I always put a bullet list of what's happening in the period or in the day on the chalkboard or on the whiteboard, whatever your preference, obviously. And that helps eliminate any type of confusion in the classroom. What are we doing next? What am I getting out next? Because those transitions really can cause quite a bit of disruption in the classroom. So students know what's happening one after another with that agenda, it's really just very helpful for organization. Removes that insecurity. And I know for me as a learner now, when I'm at a workshop
0: or, you know, any sort of learning experience, or even kind of um, a day where I'm running errands, I like to have an overall agenda. So I know how long a task is supposed to last, you know, aspirational. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And just when will when will we be done? When when will I have a break? And I don't feel comfortable now without kind of that sense. So uh, putting myself in the students space, I would think they would really appreciate agendas. I'm going to share with you that once I started observing my classroom and making lists of what the disruptions were, do you want to know? Can you guess what one of the number one disruptions actually was?
1: Um, okay. Well, we've talked about binder snapping. That's a big one for He's me. Clicking. Is clicking. It, is, it, is it you? Is it your own voice? It is my own. <laughs> See, you know this because you've been in
0: the classroom for a long time. You hit a certain point where you realize, oh, my goodness, it is me. I am a very constant source of noise, whether I am um, giving direction, giving redirection, giving praise, or just making unnecessary comments, I was finding that I was doing a lot of that. And in doing so, I was shifting the silent tone of the classroom. So once I realized that, I had to shift my practice. So I did, I did some brainstorming. And of course, we work with wonderful colleagues who gave me really good feedback on, on what they might do. And so I started to give direction and redirection and praise completely silently. Oh, I I love that. Yeah. So I would like write it on the smart board, go sit down at the computer and, and write a little note and the class can read it. I might write something on a sticky note and leave it on a student's desk instead of using my voice. And I also started more and more using my eyes to redirect and my body language to communicate. And so I found that in doing this, I broke up the disruption and there was more of a a flow to the classroom. And that's a really good example for me personally of,
1: of taking stock of what was going on in my room, naming it and then changing it. Well, that's great because you're also saving your voice too, which is kind of huge as a teacher, you know? You need that energy, you need that voice. Okay, sidebar, uh, I know a lot of our colleagues lose their voice every single
0: September and I have friends who've done damage to their vocal cords over the years.
1: (laughs) I do, I know that's a thing and I'm always concerned about that, especially in phys ed class. So I have started, you know, doing that too, using my hands more for instructions, really helpful. Yeah. All right, let's go. Game changer number two. I'm gonna do some scaffolding here. Now, as you're observing what the students are doing or not doing Pull out the I statements. Ooh, gotta love the I statements. Yeah, I mean, when I heard about these in teacher's college, I was kind of like, you know, I was a little bit young, you know, <laughs> kind of naive. <laughs> and I was like, no, I, that sounds kind of cheesy. I don't know if I'm going to do that. Well, let me tell you, I use them, I don't know, probably a 100 times a day. I use them at school with my students. I use them at home with my own kids because it shows the kids that you value how they're feeling yeah. and what they're doing. So this works extremely well particularly after you have built a little bit on those relationships and you're getting to know people. So it works with feelings. I'll just give you some examples. For example, I understand that you are frustrated. Would you like to take a short break? It works for encouragement. For instance, I think you could do this if you adjusted this. It works for feedback. I really like that you included. It works for behaviors. I'm hoping or expecting to see a change in the way that you have. So
0: I am familiar with I-statements because of the married professors who taught me I-statements several years probably before they taught you. I guarantee you we had the same profs. Mm-hmm. I love, though, how you just deconstructed it and named the different types. And I'm going to repeat them because I think they are very important. You can use it to validate feelings. Mm-hmm. All right. You're, you're being seen and you give kind of a, an out. You're using it for encouragement for general feedback, and for behaviors. So it's not a one-trick pony. You kind of choose which of those um, qualifiers you're trying to accomplish and and use the I statement. I'm going to Add to the I statement, another statement that I have started using, and that is the when statements. Okay. Okay. I really like using when statements. I will say, I'll give you an example of it just to get the conversation rolling on it. I would say, in this classroom community, we don't make a mess for the custodian to clean up. We leave the classroom pristine out of respect. And the saying the we, it builds community, a common set of rules, something that we as a whole group strive to. And it it has just this good sense of whole group responsibility rather than one person.
1: So yeah, you're showing the students that you recognize their potential as a whole group together and individually. Here's an instance where the I statement can actually work really well, too. Let's say everyone in the class is cooperating on whatever it is you're doing, except maybe one or two students, right? We know this happens quite a bit. You might try speaking to them privately which also works, or you could just go near them and in sort of a nonchalant way, use an I statement. Like, I hope that you decide to join in on this activity because I think you would really enjoy it. So sometimes it's just a matter of being noticed as an individual or of course, as a whole. I think all these examples that
0: we've both brought forward, the commonality is that you're preserving the relationship with the student and you're building the community of the classroom. And those are two things that help the students to be well and it helps us to be well in the space
1: yeah so once again everything is connected everything is (laughs) is connected. connected and
0: everything we talk about in this podcast is connected yeah yeah so there's another connection
1: there we go let's go to game changer number three
0: all right so game changer number three is to make sure that you're providing some structured social time for the students. Because students, in my experience, they really love to talk. Yep. They love to talk a lot. So one of the ways that I try to accomplish this is I put in open-ended questions with kind of uh, deeper level thinking, critical thinking opportunities. And I give students the chance to have conversations and weave their own lives into those critical questions. I attach it to what I'm teaching and I attach it to the curriculum and I give students time to talk. And and in a way, I'm just letting it get out of their system because they're so naturally social. Yeah. And so I find that that really works in the classroom. Once it comes time to teach and for you to lead as the teacher, I'm finding that students are more inclined to receive information, actively think about information that's coming from you because you've given them the time to have their conversations too. And and I find it's the same with independent work. They're more inclined to sit, do their independent work because they've had the opportunity to learn in the other ways too.
1: Very important. We know that it's difficult for anyone to just sit there all day without having the opportunity to connect with other people, to have sort of some of that free time to speak or or do an activity, obviously. So I think that's such a great idea. And something that I am really grateful for that I had learned very early on in my career was that kids love structure. That's basically a direct quote from my associate teacher when I was a student teacher, who told me, you know what, sure, you want to say to the kids, okay, you guys can do what you want in, in this amount of time. But there always has to be some kind of underlying structure. It's, it's really important at school, because it's a way of creating that safe environment, right? So true. As you're talking about that, I'm thinking
0: about building a house. There are certain rules when it comes to building the foundation of a house. And you want the builder, the contractor to follow those rules to a T, all right. Yeah. Once that's all said and done, and it's time to decorate the house, it's kind of on you. And uh, there's a little bit more of a flow to that. It's kind of finding that balance between having that solid framework, that solid structure, and then having a little fun with your decor later. It's just a, this, as you were explaining that. That's what yeah, you- I was visualizing in my head. Is I want my contractor to build a solid house with structure, following all the rules, understanding all the measuring math. That I don't quite understand all that, but thank you. To those people who build solid homes, let me play with the decor. That part's kind of fun.
1: And that's exactly what that's we're it. we're we're doing in a classroom. <laughs> I know that's a perfect, that's an amazing metaphor, right? I love that because we're starting with that foundation at the beginning of the year, and then from there we can build on it. Yeah, and if your house is collapsing on you, you're not painting or decorating or
0: putting up cute, you know, wall hangings <laughs> right. at all. You got to
1: rewind. <laughs> you got to go back to the beginning.
0: All Absolutely. Right. Okay, this let's go. Good, game though. changer We're number 4 coming up with four. some new ones. All right.
1: Well, you're going to do game changer number four, Chelsea. Let's okay. hear it. Okay. Here we go. Game changer number four is give the other person a fine reputation to live up to. This is my favorite. Didn't learn this one until a little bit later in my career, but I use it every day. This is, of course, from Dale Carnegie. The book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. A Very important star, when you a are star. leading. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we are going to talk about this again, obviously, when we do episodes on motivation or inspiration, because this is just so important when you're really trying to get through to people and you're trying to help people and you're trying to inspire people. Absolutely. So what this means to me in teaching is to let the students know that you have confidence in them as a whole. And again, like we said earlier in the episode, as individuals. So again, of course, it's all related here. Let's say that you have done that conversational structured slash unstructured time. You've kind of like laid the groundwork. Exactly. Yeah. And you saw how that went, and you think that that went really well. Now you can build on that, of course, by, for instance, you decide to do a debate. Mm -hmm. Well, you're going to give them that reputation to live up to now. So you would say to your class, based on what you all had to say during that time that you were chatting, I know that this debate that we are going to be doing is going to be full of great ideas. So here's where I use my I statements. I really liked how you shared those ideas. You could use your when statements. When you were chatting and listening to each other, I heard this. And that helps with your next steps or your next activity in giving them the confidence to do well. You're setting them up for success. Exactly. You're saying
0: you made it past step one. You did amazing. Now you're ready for step two. And as you're kind of listing the different things that you might be seeing before you introduce this debate, mm-hmm. you're, you're you're giving these praise points and I'm visualizing a class of students in front of me. And I know when I do that kind of way of teaching where I'm affirming what's already been done and giving some specifics. And, you know, in that situation, one might, you know, pick some very specifics to build confidence in certain students. But I'm visualizing the entire class. I'm imagining something magical that happens. And as you're saying all this, a few extra noises and shuffles kind of stop happening. And eyes kind of that might be normally shy are looking up with a curious focus uh, to what you're saying. There's almost a shift in the head because the ears really want to hear. Postures perk up. And I bet every teacher out there who is listening right now knows that moment and how it looks and how it feels. So Chelsea, when you captivate your audience like that and they know it's about them, they love hearing what they can do. Those are the best teachable moments.
1: Hey, I know that when someone tells me that they believe I can do something, I want to do it. Yeah. It's amazing because it's a form of encouragement that really ignites confidence in the other person or the other people. Now, I'm not saying that you say to your class, hey, I know that you're all going to execute this layup absolutely perfectly on your first and second try. Not realistic. If you said that to me, I'd call you out. I would hope you would call me out on that. Well, you know? I would
0: call you out because you know that I can't do a layup. But what you could say to me is, wow, Bush, you're really putting in a good old effort. And I noticed that you stopped taking that extra step or taking off with two feet at the end. Those are like incremental little changes yeah, that you I could would, notice. I, say, I,
1: like, I like the way you tried this, but now I think you can adjust this. It's about process, not perfection. That's that's it. That's okay. the bottom line here. Process, not perfection, right? <laughs> So again, it's about noticing the ways students can improve bit by bit and observing and then catching them in the moment. Yeah. And catching them doing a good thing. All
0: right. Well, speaking of good things, let's talk about rewards and consequences. But either way, no matter what you do, it's a rhyme. Follow through. Oh, see, you know this is good. (laughs) This
1: is so important.
0: I always say important.
1: Keep saying it. It's a good word.
0: All right. It is so important to encourage students to work hard and to give them the opportunity to play equally as hard. Giving students that extra little bit of time to enjoy each other's company, to play games, to have conversations, to laugh and engage on something that isn't your specific teacher agenda is a really awesome thing to integrate into your classroom. When you show students that you respect, that you have that respect for the things that they want to do and that they enjoy... I find, and tell me what you think, that they are much more willing to engage and buy into what you are, you know, presenting in front of them.
1: Of course. It's a give and take relationship. It is. It's back and forth. It is. You have to have something in place that shows them that working hard can be rewarding. I mean, you don't need to buy them treats every Friday. No, you no. can give them the gift of time together. That's what I do. could be outside time. It could be extra physical activity time, my particular favorite. And you can have this as the carrot at the end of the week. This time is good for you too. Yeah, I'm gonna swing back to what you just said. And and that is that good for you too. So
0: let's ensure that the reward for students isn't a punishment for you as the teacher. Yes. <laughs> Make sure that it's change. something mm-hmm, that's also enjoyable for you. And and I find that I don't know about you if you've ever had this experience, but I find that when students know that I'm enjoying my time, it it builds more community and it's more fun for them. And I love building memories together as a class. And some of my favorite moments has been when I have let go of what is next and just been in that moment. I have a memory um, of a a principal coming into my room on a Friday. And it was one of those Fridays where it was a choose your own adventure kind of thing. And we'd accomplished everything. And there's a time in teaching where starting something new you're not giving credit or Um, you're not honouring bringing something new in on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So the choose your own adventure was like, you can organise the textbooks. Thank you very much, kids. Uh, You can uh, personal read. You can have a side conversation. You can play cards. Yeah, some kids might have been playing poker. I didn't see. I did not see. Uh, And a lot of kids would would have been finishing up artwork um, and doing artwork just that they enjoyed doing. And and my principal came in, and I remember being a little bit like... "Eh." Little, little heart skip for a moment and then, you know, kind of reset that and realize, no, this is quality what I'm doing. And she came in and I said, yeah, we're having, you know, a uh, relaxed Friday. And, and she said, I think that's fantastic. I think it's so good that you do community building. And big picture, that's what it was. It oh, was yeah. community building. And so being able to give students the the gift of time with each other and with you that is relaxed, not driven by producing Mm -hmm. a product, honors the relationship, honors you seeing the students for who they are. And you really get to see hidden talents. Like there are students that I have worked with who could organize my classroom in a way that I, I do not have the capacity to do. And you start to realize what trajectory students might be heading towards yeah. you start seeing gifts
1: in the students and when you see that in them that builds relationship too yes yeah it does it's all a reward in itself to be honest with you absolutely it's kind of cheesy as that sounds it is you it's, gonna, it's only gonna help you going forward with the class right they're gonna look forward to that time yeah so it's a reward it's part for them. of their week mm-hmm.
0: but if you're gonna give a reward you have to follow through i think we need to stress that
1: this is so important
0: Yeah, because I know that for me, I've probably uh, stagnated process with my students by taking away something that they'd earned because of behavior or something. So you really have to kind of lay out what your philosophy is on rewards and consequences.
1: You do have to have a solid foundation for that. That's right. So, for instance, if you say, okay, at the end of the week, we're going to have games day and then you go to an assembly and the kids don't behave as you wanted them to behave. You don't want to take away games day. Because that's kind of going to be a problem for yourself and for them. It would be best to find another way or another consequence to show them that that's not the way to behave in the assembly. Yeah, like a natural consequence related directly to the assembly.
0: I, I, I just think, and sometimes in teaching, it's also important to stop and think about what is a reasonable consequence instead of feeling like right away you have to... Yes. You know, say that. So just be like, we don't act like that in an assembly, and I'm not sure what happened there. I'm going to have to put some thought into what we are going to do as a result. And then give your by yourself the time to think about it, because often we speak too soon.
1: (laughs) That's such great advice. Well, thank you. You know, once in a while, Chelsea, I have moments. No, that's really great advice. It is important to think about it. You don't just want to jump to you're not getting this. And then you're like, oh, no, I was planning to do this on Friday. And again, you're punishing yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I think if I may, reiterate this is that sometimes buying yourself the time to think leads you to the best possible decision. And with our students, we feel like we need to always right away answer right then and there. We don't always have the answers at the tip of our tongue that are best suited to the situation. So
1: wait it out. And I'm telling you, with those words, we are going to wrap up this episode because that we we have to go out on a high note. And that was it right there. I'm feeling like Ted Lasso right now. (laughs) You are. That's... (laughs) you are okay so okay Ted okay Ted okay Ted start us off with our takeaways
0: Okay, here are our takeaways. Number one, observe those disruptions in your classroom. Take stock, list them, make a plan to address them.
1: Number two, try using those I statements to build relationships, to offer encouragement, to provide feedback, and to guide behaviors.
0: And number three, implement structured social time to allow students to engage socially, clearing out all distractions, and promoting focused learning.
1: Number four, hold students to reasonable expectations based on their capabilities and potential for growth. And last but not least,
0: consistency. Make sure that you are following through with both rewards and consequences. This is crucial for both credibility and trust. Teachers, thank you for listening today. Join us next time when we talk about you. And don't forget to leave us a quick review to help others hear our message. Until next time, be well and do well.